Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. And the end of the shortened rounds is upon us, Brock. It's all done now. We're about to head back into the full NRL season, but not before the most important game. Well, the most important game of the year so far. Yeah, the Origin 3 decider. So it's uh, on par with the grand final, this game. So uh, it is Christmas time for Rugby League fans this week. Wednesday night, ANZ Stadium. We will be there. We are... Planning on uh, having a few amber ales and hopefully celebrating a New South Wales victory. Um, and if the bookmakers are anything to go by, we are absolute shoo-ins to win this match. But um, this is exactly where Queensland love to be. Well, 13 of the last 19 deciders have all been won by Queensland. They've won the last seven in a row. We obviously have a different team, different coach and a different feel as compared to that last generation where we lost that seven in a row when mm. they obviously had that unbelievable spine that started with Lockyer, uh, Smith, <clears throat> Slater, and uh, obviously Thurston, and then moved on to Cronk once Lockyer retired, plus having Inglis and a bunch of other superstar players, but uh, it is origin, so the bookies are obviously pretty excited at the moment, taking plenty of money for New South Wales, but want to see him get the job done first, and especially back at home. Yeah. But this episode for us this week, similar to all our origins, uh, we're going to do an origin preview of the Game 3 in depth, our thoughts, predictions, both sides, strengths, weaknesses, etc. Uh, then we're going to review the round that just went this short round, and that's about it. We're going to come back Thursday after the origin. We'll review the game and the series, and then we'll look forward to Round 17 once we have a better idea about injuries, players, lineups, all that kind of stuff. And Correct. the following week, we'll be back to normal schedule. Yeah, nine rounds to go in the NRL, and... Hopefully there's not too many injuries or any injuries for any club coming out of State of Origin would be ideal. Uh, and then from there, yeah, we get to the run run home. So, And if anything, the results on the weekend just, I guess, uh, muddied the waters even more with, with the Warriors winning, the Broncos winning, and uh, the Sharks blowing another close game. So we'll get into all those a little bit later. But uh, I think the ladder's open right up from probably 5th down to 14th, I guess. In particular, from the bottom part of the 8th, from 8th down to 14th, is all yeah. separated by one win. There's three teams on 7, or I think there's four teams on 6. The only two teams that are pretty much lost touch and need to win out or go close to winning out would be the Titans and the Bulldogs, which obviously that ain't gonna happen. no one's going to see that. So uh, we'll get straight into our State of Origin preview, as we've done in previous matches in depth. Uh, for this one, Brock, looking at both lineups, first of all, for New South Wales, two changes heading into this game. Obviously, Sims and Cleary uh, through the judiciary and Nathan through injury are the only changes. So, Pierce and Clemmer come back into the side. So, for New South Wales, 
Tedesco at the back, Addo Carr and Ferguson on the wings. The centres are Whiten and Tommy Turbo. The halves, Maloney, now joined by Pierce. Uh, you've got <clears throat> the front row of Safidi, Vaughan and Cook at hooker. The lock is Jake Trebojevic in the two back rows. Frizzell, Cordner and the bench, Cameron Murray, Dale Finucane, <clears throat> sorry, uh, David Clemmer and Wade Graham. So good coverage on the bench. You've got Murray who can play middle, cover hooker if they get absolutely desperate. Finucane is another middle. Clemmer, again, another middle, but I have the feeling they're probably going to swap Vaughan back to the bench uh, and probably start with Clemmer and Safidi. Yeah, we'll see. To go with two big battering rams, or they could go the option with Dale starting again like they did with more mobility and well, passing. I think that was more because they were a prop short last match. So, it'll, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, and then you've got Wade Graham who can cover anywhere from centre, back row, halves, middle if he needs to. So, on that side of things, the two changes, I think, if anything, this is probably in my opinion, the strongest team we've picked this whole series mm. uh, for New South Wales. On the Queensland side of things, Napa dropped, Wallace dropped, and Ponga was ruled out with that calf strain. Back into the side is Joe Offerhengawi, Christian Welch on debut, and Corey Norman into the halves. So Munster at fullback, Dan Gagai, Corey Oates on the wings, Michael Morgan in the centres, but I'm hearing that Mbaya might be... Well, they're saying that Mbaya's well, training in the centres. He's training in the centres since last because week. Because of so. the concussion uh, and him not training. No, but he trained there yesterday. Morgan's been cleared to resume full training. So I think oh, it's, well. it just signals that Morgan's going to go to that 14 role. Mbaya will move to the centres. I, I like it. I think it makes him a stronger side. It's all in reaction, I guess, dominoes to what's happened with Caelan Ponga. Uh, and look, I, I think when you look at the New South Wales side, Many would argue that uh, we look stronger, and I think we look as strong. Uh, we look different. Um, Pierce is certainly a different type of half, and he's in different form, and he's going to uh, bring a different dynamic to the team. Uh, but Queensland, it's a significant loss, Callum Ponga, significant. And they haven't brought in any player who's even on par with him. And they've had to reshuffle uh, a lot of players in and around to accommodate Corey Norman. Um It'll be interesting. It may just be the little uh, blip in the radar that the Maroons needed just to shuffle the side up a little bit because Michael Morgan's not a centre. No, he's never been a centre. But the other so centre... pick and buy, you might as well play him at centre, give yeah. him the whole game there. The other centre, obviously Will Chambers, but yeah, on the same side as that, no offence, Moses and Bai's not really a centre either. He's only just started well, he's playing centre for, yeah. for West Tigers. Just. So anyway, he's an outside back, right? Yeah. You're comparing apples and oranges when you're saying who's more of a centre, and Bai or Morgan. And Bai's way more of a centre than Morgan. Morgan needs to be in the middle of the field. He needs to be able to have an impact on the game. He doesn't have that on the edge. Otherwise, just don't fucking pick him because he's had he's had no uh, role in this Origin series mm. apart from getting left for dead a few times defensively. Mm. Well, back to the lineup. Chambers, obviously, the other centre. His spot, Norman now into the halves pairing with Daly Cherry Evans. The front row, Josh Papali, Offahengawi elevated to start. Benny Hunt at nine. The lock, Josh Maguire. The back row is Gillette. And Felice Cafusi, but that's another area for them where they're saying Gillette, he already had that broken nose, but apparently now is a groin problem. And he's with the physios. If he's ruled out, Ethan Lowe was the 18th man. I wouldn't assume they'd start him straight away. I think they'd probably look at putting David Fafita into the back row to start the game and have Lowe on the bench, which would then have them with Glasby, Welch, either Morgan or Mbai as that utility. So two pure middles, the utility to cover all bases. And then Ethan Lowe, I guess, can play edge or middle. Uh, but David Fafita could push out to centre, play back row, play middle. But, yeah, we've talked about it before. The depth isn't great on their side of things. They've made some changes. No. I think <clears throat> looking at Queensland first, the bench is better now that they have that leg speed with Welch being there. I think with Wallace and Glasby, they didn't really get that. Obviously, they stuck with Glasby. And now having Offhand Gary back in, they've 
opted to start him straight away and drop Napa. I know Napa was poor in game two, but I think that's a mistake. I think I would have stuck with Napa. Mm. I would have had Offa Hengawi on the bench with Welch, and I would have got rid of Glasby because I think the bench didn't help him at all last time. They need a point of difference. Glasby, rock solid, good defender, doesn't bring much in attack, but something coming off the bench has to make a point of difference. Game one, they've got a point of difference out of Offa Hengawi. Welch has that leg speed. Dave Fafita brings it as well. Um, so from that perspective, I think they've actually got weaker. Yeah, I think um, so too. Ponga, as you said, but for again, me, they're just they're going to uh, Queensland are just going to respond from that ass kicking they got in Perth. I know at the time it was fantastic as a Blues fan to see New South Wales tear shreds off them, but every every little cut that was inflicted it means they're going to bounce back that little bit harder in this game, and uh, it, with everyone riding them off. Well, plain and simple, if we're not even going to get technical, effort, energy and intent that they showed, in particular in the second half, in particular their aggression and their line speed and just turn it into an absolute dogfight, is what they need to do to beat us. Yeah. Because at the end of the day in rugby league, if you are the less talented team, if you have you know, less strike power, which I think some of these changes have hurt and their middles in particular got dominated in game two and we killed all their set starts, the way for them to win on what probably will be a wet, heavy track in ANZ is just to turn it into an absolute dogfight. Mm. Rough us up, good line speed, get stuck into us, kill our set starts, lay all over the rucks, be willing to give away penalties and just turn it into an absolute shit mm. fight. Put the game in the referee's hands a little bit. Yeah, and if they do that, and they might be able to throw New South Wales off a little bit, but I think the other move that it definitely hurts, but I think it helps in one area that was real key for them. Ponga being out certainly hurts with him on those sweet plays, being able to sum up those three-on-twos get himself involved in the middle of the field and push through. But last game on kick reception, they did a great job on him. And he obviously doesn't like getting beaten up on. Mm. Um, in that regard, I think they've got a better strength with Cameron Munster with the set starts because we know he's a physical runner of the ball. He's tough as nails. He's always breaking the first tackle or dragging defenders. And I think it forces him to be more involved because parked on that left edge uh, in game two when they had no go forward, he had no effect on the game. From this position, it's it's a bad thing to lose Ponga, but I think, again, on a heavy track, on a, a rough night where there's going to be plenty of dirty carriage required, we nullified their set starts last game. Munster being there gives an opportunity to have better set starts, better kick receptions, which then brings Gagai and Oates into the game, which they were non-existent well, again in game Jared two. Jared Wallace was a mistake. That was a massive mistake. He, he had the hit on, uh, I think it was Maloney, which changed the momentum of that game. Um, I, I don't know. They needed to try something. I think Christian Welch, he should have been playing... From game one, yeah, to be fair, he, he thought he torn his ACL, he was so. but he should have definitely been in game two. Yep. Uh, so that, that's an error. I, do, do I think he would have made a difference to game two? No, no. He would have made a difference in that he would they, he would have made them stronger, but he wouldn't have changed the result. So you can't be too critical of Kevin Walters in that regard. No. Uh, look, I, I think Queensland have done a fantastic job. I, I fully expected them to win um, in Queensland. You know they're going to be significantly better there, and, and they got the job done just. Uh, the neutral venue, I, I, I only lent to New South Wales in the fact that we needed to win. Um, and then now we go home. You know my rule with Origin. I always tip the home team when they're at home. And the neutral venue, I toss up between who needs to win and who's the better team. Well, I said the same thing before the start of the series, <laughs> plain and simple. The neutral game is the one that matters to me, mm. regardless of the result of game one. Whoever wins the neutral venue has the upper but hand. But isn't it interesting? Like, you tipped Queensland last game. Isn't it interesting how in three three weeks, just the whole, um, well, I guess, seven, perception of the team... Seven changes. No, would, no, no, I, no, I, know, I agree with you. I didn't you. think they were going to pass. I agree with you. And I as I close. said, there was no uh, genius in my selection. My selection was only, I thought, they we needed, needed to win. win. Yeah, and it was a neutral venue. Um, I, it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. So, 
I think the Blues fans, and, and there's that old saying that it's never as good as it seems and it's never as bad as it seems. Mm. And this just seems to fall into that category and it's a classic example of that because, you know, it, it clearly was never as bad as it seemed for New South Wales coming out of game one and it was never as good as it seemed for, for the Maroons coming out of game one, was it? So, And again, that's going to turn, that's flipped now. Is it as good as it seems for New South Wales? Probably not. Is it as bad as it seems for Queensland? Probably not. Mm. And the conditions, as you said, I think are going to suit um, Queensland. But then again, we, we ran roughshod on a wet deck yeah. um, in Perth. So I, I like that, but it's a different it type was, of wet. I spoke to Vaughn during the week when they were there and asked what it felt like. And he said, it was a humid was type wet, yeah? He said it's more like an AFL ground. It's cut real low. It's yeah. hard. It was fast. It was almost like a cricket deck. So compared to ANZ, which we've both played on for schoolboy football and other things, always heavier coating, even when it looks... On top, like it's fast, it's really not. It's a heavier track. It's harder to keep your footing, so yeah, it does kind of bring things back down. But I really think that move with Ponga being out, like yes, Ponga is an absolute game breaker. But in these conditions, set starts are so critical for them because their middles, to be honest, don't really generate a whole lot, they especially don't. missing arrow. So the Munster move, uh, move to fullback to me is the whole breaking point of this game for me. Munster at fullback, if he gets going, gets Oates and Gagai into the game, which gets their sets going, which then helps their forwards out, which in turn takes kick pressure off, which in the last game, all those things have a knock-on effect. Ponga doesn't start sets well, or they pin Gagai Oates and they kill play one-two. Ford struggle to get back on side. They're constantly coming out of their own half, and we had excellent kick pressure. Poor kicks, good territory to start sets off. We had big outside backs. They also linked together, Tedesco to Adokar in particular, getting at Will Chambers and Cherry Evans on that edge. All those things have a knock-on effect, so... Of all the things I'm looking at, especially on the Queensland side, I can go over all of them, but that's the key one for me. Yeah. If Munster can have an effect on the game and help their set starts, not just, and later on obviously be involved, that gets them going because they need Oates coming off the back fence, they need Gagai coming off quick play the balls. If we make them stagnant again and they get flat starts with those guys, I think it's going to be a very long night because their forwards aren't going to be able to dig them out of a hole. Josh McGuire's not a bash and barge kind of guy. He's a worker. Gillette. Felice, if they're there, they'll do the job. Papali's really the only one that kind of scares me with the ability to get between defenders and find an offload. Mm. Um, Benny Hunt obviously kicked well last game for them, was the best one out of all of them because all the pressure was on Cherry Evans. With Norman being there, I think defensively it probably makes them worse in that spot. But at the same time, I think in attack, as compared to Munster, who's more free-flowing and off the cuff, I think he helps Cherry Evans out. He's got a better kicking game. He's got a variation of kicks. He plays more to structure, but he also is willing to take a risk. So I think on that side of things, they get more. But again, all of that doesn't matter if you don't roll. Set starts matter. Those back three, fours, being able to push together, get a roll. And if none of that happens, they're screwed, I think. And again, I don't think the bench is going to save them. Um, agree. Yeah, agree. The forwards just, yeah, from their side of thing. That's where it's going to they've be. Got, they've got a fire. They've got a fire. They've got to do exactly what we said. Slow the ruck, win those rucks. Just It's got to be game one all over again. It's got to go back to a simple game of football where basically, fuck you, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna tee off on you. That's what they did to us in the second half, and we didn't respond. If they can turn it to that kind of fight, and we get one out and get stuck in our own end again, which I don't think we will, with the, the changes we've made and been able to push the football in the last game, running in pairs and, and being a bit more creative. But yeah, I, I think the other thing, big difference in game one as well, is our back three, bringing Ferguson in basically is an extra front row. Yeah. Our set starts were incredible. But part of the set starts being better in game two was not only that, but a result of that kick pressure I was talking about. Poor options and having good territory to start off with. So, um, yeah, for, for Queensland, set starts and set ends are the two most important things. I think Cherry Evans has less pressure now with Norman. 
helping him kick there and the summary of everything was the first part I said effort energy and intent just turn it into a shit fight I think that's their best way to win a game yeah. um, looking at everything New South Wales they, they really need I think to get the halves on the ball and you got to generate that through our middle which we're able to do which brought Tedesco and Cook onto the footy in the last game Pierce, he really needs to be on the ball. He loves to push up on the play. He's going to be standing behind, uh, standing next to our front rowers, Trebojevic, who are pushing through the middle of the field. As soon as he gets a nice early ball, he'll give um, to Frizzell on the edge. Um, but what I what I really like about Mitchell Pierce is that he can play off the back foot. He'll just take a tough carry. Yeah, he will. He'll go and get a quick play of the ball when it's needed. Um, whereas Nathan Cleary, I don't think, has quite learnt, A, how to play on the back foot through yeah. uh, through experience, and secondly, he doesn't have the physical size to be able to do that, whereas Pierce does. I think the other thing that we flip, and we've always talked about Pierce, Pierce is as good a defender as Nathan. One of Nathan's best traits as a half is his defence. But Mitchell Pierce is also an outstanding defender, and he's willing to get physical. So I think that's a big thing. Speaking of the like defensive setup, I think for Queensland, if Mbai comes in, he's probably... A bit better defending out on that edge, or whether it's Morgan, but that's definitely going to be a target spot. That left side of Queensland, New South Wales is right with Pierce, Frizzell, Tommy Turbo, and Ferguson. I think now, especially they've got Norman. If they roll through the middle like they did last game, as we know, when you get middles caught, you isolate your edges because you can press in. If they can get Norman on an island like they got Munster the last game a couple of times, his inside outside shoulder is going to be bombarded because Pierce will go hard at him if he can, and he's got Frizzell there. He can throw early to Tommy. Uh, I think, you know, for all the queries we had over his defence, I think he'll be just as confident that he can do a job on him by. Um, but there's going to be a lot of pressure, I think, if they roll well on that edge, and in particular that spot of Norman. Because last game, any of those quick play balls inside 20 where forwards got caught and there was spacing outside, they got Munster twice from mm. memory. Munster has a tendency to hold, even though Melbourne generally come in. He wants to hold and slide off. Norman... I've seen defend physically and defend well, but again, under pressure, flat-footed, I think any day of the week I'm taking Frizzell or Pierce inside-outside shoulder on him. I think physically Munster's probably a better defender. Yeah. Uh, but that edge will be bombarded. Their middle held up okay, I guess, but again, those quick play the balls hurt. The right edge, if Gillette is not there again, that's a point that can't be undersung. If David Fafita goes in for what I think he brings with the football and he's outstanding, that's going to be a real concern as well. If he's not there especially on those kick receptions where they target him when they linked up at the back and got early board at our car and had Tedesco engaging, getting it, Cherry Evans and Chambers. If Fafita ends up in there or Ethan Lowe, I think that's another worry for them. So mm-hmm. they're going to have two spots on their edges that could be quite vulnerable. And again, that comes back to the middle. Yeah. Um, but for New South Wales, I guess, simple. Win that middle again. The link-ups, the push compared to game one where we're just very one out and it made it easy for Queensland to come get us and... He carries in yardage. I, I do likely think that Vaughan will go back to the bench and they'll probably start with Clemmer and Safidi just to get to that shit period and have a bit more variety off their bench. They could use Dale again, but like you said, I think that was more a result of the fast deck and also being a prop short. Yeah. Uh, but I think they'll go with the two big boys to bash and start. Tedesco, we all know. Tedesco and Cook, we've said it all serious. I think that's the big key. Probing, floating all over the field. The set starts with him in that back three, linking up with Ferguson, pushing around, getting early board at O'Carr. Um, that's going to be huge for us again. And Any questions around Maloney and Pierce? I don't quite understand. They want to comp together. And anyone that's been listening to us for a long, long time, we talk about halves linking and it not being the case much anymore. Yeah, A lot of halves combinations just play left and right. That's it. They never link up unless they land on that tram. And it's, it's not necessarily a link up. It's just basically I'm giving it to him because he's taking a shot. In 2013, when these guys played together and after until... 
Maloney left. I think he was there for 2014. They were one of the only halves pairings that genuinely, genuinely played together. Hopped on the same side of the field, played long sides, played short sides. Like they actually worked together. So I think, you know, it has been a couple of years, but they're familiar. So I think that's a real bonus for us. Yeah. It is a real bonus. Uh, even with Frizzell. He, Frizzell was there the last time Pierce was there. Exactly. So he's already got a relationship with the back row that he's playing with. So, And if he was on the other side of the field, if they did end up swapping and changing and linking up, he's obviously played with Cordner also. So I think that's a real bonus. Who's in charge? There's been talk all week about will it be Maloney, will it be Pierce? I don't necessarily think either of them is going to be in charge. I think, again, they have that relationship. They've played together before. You generally want your seven to dominate, but Maloney dominated the last game. So I think it's just going to ebb and flow as to where we're having love. If they find and love on that edge that I was talking about on the right-hand side with Pierce, Frizzell and Turbo trying to pick on Norman and possibly Mbaya and putting pressure on Felice to make decisions inside-outside, so be it. Then you're probably going to see Pierce get more ball. Yeah. If they get no Gillette and it's low or Fafita filling in over that side where Chambers has had trouble and Cherry Evans, etc., well, then Maloney's probably going to get some football. But the exact same time we're talking here, which is the big bonus, I guess, for us, if our middles do the job they did last game, in particular, Jake having those inside-outside options when he runs in the line, Tedesco probing through, and any more quick play levels for Cook, who we both thought didn't have his best game. Like, he's surely going to be better this time around. Yeah, I, I, again, I'm not getting overly excited, but I, I smell a lot more danger for Queensland in a lot of areas than what I do for New South Wales. Agree. But the big thing Agree. comes back to, again... The do, style of game that it is. Do they buy into, you know, all the hype... Do they come out a bit underwhelming? Do they think the job's done? I bloody hope not. I really hope they come out and do what Queensland would do to us if it was up there, a decider at Queensland, mm. which is just stomp our heads in. We've been up there a couple of times for deciders and they're not friendly. And that's no. not the crowd, that's the decide. Like they know what needs to be done. I hope we have that killer edge yeah. and just come out with the intent to basically try and bust their head open. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know. but Yeah, I think... This time around also, last game we spoke about concern. I, I never had a concern about Jack White defensively because my time at Canberra, he played out on an edge. He defended there and technically he's one of the best defenders I've seen. If they do get a bit more 50-50 ball this time around, actually get a chance to attack Tom, because they, I, let's dare say they didn't game one, or game two, sorry. That's an area that somewhat does concern me, not massively. Yeah. But we still didn't really see him get tested last game. Um, so that's something to look out for. And I, I guess the big thing with Ponga not being there, we're not worried so much about the sweet plays, but with Munster, he, he offers, again, that physicality to break tackles, even if there's not numbers there. So I think we're still going to have to do what we talked about before, where if he sweeps around and they get a four on four or they create a number, the markers are going to have to get across and work hard inside to make sure that if Munster does break a tackle or slip through or have an option to cut back in, there's just bodies there covering him. You can't let Munster find space because we've all seen it before he borderline power walks stops hops and next minute he's fucking 20 meters down the field he's just that kind of player he's a freak he's the he's the key he's the one he's the key in and all those areas we spoke about the biggest thing is that he's in a position now to start their sets kick their sets off and and get them rolling whereas in game two, he's in a position where he's playing in the halves he sort of doesn't have yeah, that ability to, on edge. Yeah, to no impact the forwards. sets to start um, and get Queensland on the front foot. So what worries me a little bit from a New South Wales perspective, and this links into a whole heap of different areas. Firstly, it links into our kicking game. Our kicking game has to be spot on. Uh, We have to kick into a corner and hopefully just make Munster be able to run one, one direction. And what I mean by that is if they kick... You know, the old Laurie Daly bomb into the corner, I don't mind that tactic. I don't love it. But ideally, 
sort of when we're kicking out of yardage from around our 40, you'd like to be able to find grass and put it into a corner and make him pick it up. So defensively, we're not having to deal with him catching the ball in the middle of the field and being able to find a weak spot in the defence. It also means that we can get down there with a lot of line speed and negate a quick play of the ball. He's going to be able to influence the game through if he catches the ball in the fall and he's able to come forward on kick return mm. or if he's able to uh, <clears throat> pick the ball up and just get anywhere near the middle and get down and find his front mm. or even beat a tackle early in the set, he's then going to enable uh, you know those Queensland outside backs to get in on the back of a quick play of the ball. And Gagai and Chambers in particular are very, very good dummy half runners. So is Corey Oates. It's going to get their sets rolling forward very, very well. That's then going to bring their forwards into the game. Mm. Where I, you know, if we can nullify that, and I thought we did a fantastic yeah, job of nullifying job. Ponga in game two, we've got to do a, a, an even better job of trying to nullify uh, Cameron Munster because he's more experienced. He's actually, when you look at it, he's physically tougher to tackle than Ponga. You know, it's, it's he, easier. He breaks to... tackle. Ponga works to space. Ponga mm. likes so to that... find creases and get like crevices and get in. Munster. From the day he debuted when Billy Slater was out, the thing that Bellamy said at the time, he's just tough. He's t- he's, a, he's a prick. It doesn't matter what you give him. He usually finds a way to bust the tackle, find a front, get two or three in. You don't often see Cameron Munster put on his back or dominated, even when you get numbers in and slow him down. He turns every ruck into an absolute shit fight. He's one of those guys that just has that awkward style and an awkward stance, and he just never seems to be put down effectively. Yeah, He is the whole key to unlocking everything. And like you said... Whether they're kicking to him or they're putting Gagai, they need to turn Gagai around. We saw it the other year, what we did to Oates. They took Oates away from being the first play carry by bombing to him in a corner, pinning him there and making Gagai or someone else take that carry where he likes to get nice and wide and take like a front rows hitter. Yep. If Munster gets those effective play levels we're talking about and then we get Oates coming hard next play with a bit of width with us on the back foot, that's the whole key for them rolling up field. Mm. Um, and all those things we said before, but... I think finishing up on New South Wales, the real big one for me, if we do win the middle, get those quick play the balls and then maintain the rage when we do roll in Finucane and Jake, who, like, Dale Finucane and Murray are two guys I think they get better play the balls than most people. Cameron Murray, we've been raving about it all year on the podcast. Bout South, even in Origin, he's got the quickest play the ball, the best play the ball in the comp for me. He, no one is better in any situation at finding space, getting between defenders, getting down, getting back up. And Dale Finucane does a very good job of it as well. <clears throat> Not from the sense of finding space, but the way he carries, he's just willing to put his head down and be an arrow. Yeah. He doesn't let blokes roll him or get under him. He just burrows his head, gets down. So I think those two, when they come on, whatever role Wade ends up playing, uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't he, matter. He's effective everywhere. And again, I think they will put Vaughan back on the bench because when he comes on a bit later in those stints, he rolled for 130 in his stint in the last game. He brings a point of difference. He's more mobile, got more footwork than the other two. And has an offload where, you know, we get to see like a huge game from him in the Origin Arena, but he's done a really safe job. But I just think the bench is more dynamic having those guys all there. This could be his night. And they could maintain the rage. But the, the real key for me is Cook. All series, I think game... He was, he was slow game too. Game one, he was he was pretty good. Him and Tedesco were very good. Tedesco's been exceptional all series and I'm sure he will be again. But this night on a heavy track that we're talking about, if we can't get lateral and throw it around and play on that fast deck, even though it was wet like the last one... The real key is any half chance of a quick play of the ball is cooked down because you know yourself. When you've got bad footing like in a place like that and you've got a little bastard dummy half like that, you're in middle and you've got to turn or chase or you get caught off balance, it's going to be really hard. Yeah. So if they get anything through the middle, I think this is Cook's game on a wet, heavy deck. If there's one man I don't want to see coming at me, 
off a quick play of the ball with any sort of space if I'm Josh Papali, off a Hingawi, Glasby or any of these blokes, it's fucking Damien Cook. Mm. So, yeah, I, I don't know how much more we could really go into, to be honest. But I, I, I really think, again, it, it all starts with, like we said, both sides of it. If they turn it into a dog fight, slow us down and drag us into a shit fight, I think they can get home. But for them, Munster's the key and everything. The set starts, unlock the back three, help the forwards, take pressure off the halves to kick well, etc., etc. It'll roll from that way. I don't think their bench can help them. I think they can maintain the rage if they get in the yeah. lead or do that. The difference for us is I think if we obviously take off and, like I said, have our back three dominate, get good set starts, move the football around, get at those halves, or if they have the change in the back row on the other side of the field, like new defensive combinations... Damien Cook, Tedesco, like, I think we've got threats all over the park. We saw Tom even float last time. Like, he doesn't mean there's a fullback, not just sit on his edge. Uh, yeah, Jack iced Gillette a few times and they tried to shift that way and he was super busy in yardage. Like, I'm, I'm, it, it's all, you're always tentative as a New South Wales fan because we've been burned for so long. Mm. But I'm genuinely, I'm, confident. I'm genuinely confident that they will get the job done. It's just the matter in which they get it done. Yeah. But Cook... Yeah, I think this is his, his night. This is Cook's big night it should be, on this yeah. deck out of our all spine, the games. Our spine, but our forward pack, and I said it, I said it in game two, our forward pack ran all over theirs. Yeah. In game one, I thought their their forward pack probably got the points just. And on point again, that comes um, from our back three starting and us again, off the way. And again, here we go. That's that's where the game, you want, you can you can cut it any way you want. It's got to be one in the middle. Yeah. Um, and look, I, I thought we dominated the middle, and Cook didn't really have a great impact in the last game, so... If we can win the middle and Cook has an impact, Jesus, it's it could be a real tough night. I, I do not think we're going to see a scoreline um, that we similar to what we saw in Perth for two reasons. One, Queensland just will not let that happen again. And two, I just think the conditions aren't going to allow it. Um, and people may say, well, the conditions in Perth weren't great either, but... Um, I thought there was a little bit of quitting Queensland. I've got to be honest in game two. I thought they, oh, I thought they shut down turned too. it up a little bit. Um, and and to New South Wales credit, they kept playing. In, in the past, I think New South Wales would have got to a 12, you know, 16, 18 point lead and probably gone, okay, that's enough. But this side really went for the jugular. And uh, how much damage that's done psychologically and from a confidence perspective, and I think will also play an impact. What you've just said moving forward to next year, and I don't want to look that far forward, but if they do lose in the manner, and we talked about coming to this, the lack of options and depth. There's a few guys here that you could say if there was more depth, it would probably be the end of their origin career. So if you got Matt Gillette at 31, 32, Chambers 33, 34, well, there's a couple of guys there that if they had a bad loss, you'd say, okay, they move on next year. But realistically, if they don't have options, they can't move on. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not reading too far into the future, but if New South Wales can inflict some psychological damage here and come next year, some of these young guys for Queensland who should be pushing into these spots if they aren't quite ready. We might be bringing back some guys like we've had in the past for New South Wales. Yeah. Who that we've looked at and gone, they're not the right people. You know, they're, they're scarred from the past. They're, they carry those wounds. They're not willing to win those games. We might be able to start turning that a little bit on a couple of these blokes yeah. and inflict some damage on some of the younger dudes that have debuted this year. But, yeah, I think um, you couldn't cover it much better. And people out there, if they're probably sitting there going, you haven't really talked about the halves a whole lot. Uh, for the Mitchell piercing, all the ranting and raving, We've said it a million times before. Mitchell Pierce is not the reason we lost the latest series. We played against one of the best origin sides put together at the time. I think our selections, we never picked the right side. I think we had some characters in there that also worked against him. Um, you know, it's nothing personal to a Robbie Farrell, those kind of guys. But I just don't think Mitchell Pierce was ever given the absolute best situation or team around him, um, whether it was 
Laurie Daly stint, or I think he did he play under Ricky Stewart as well. I can't quite remember, but not sure. Any time during Origin, I don't think Mitchell Pearce has ever been in a better position than he is right now no. to come in and win a series. He's mature. He's playing good footy. He's and old. He doesn't need to be man of the match for and us. And he's to not win playing this. against the best Origin team ever. Yeah, and he doesn't have to be man of the match for us to win this game. No, so I think Pearce, everyone's over and Maloney. You're that. just going to see more of the same. He's confident. He yeah. just does his job. He'll steer the side around. Uh, Pearce, I think, just got to slot in. Work if he wants to if he wants to steer the side around. I you know I, I saw them interviewed. Um, they work together. I saw Maloney interviewed in particular, and he sort of said, "Look, nothing's really going to change. I'm going to do what I do. I've played a lot of uh, rugby league with Pierce. We've won a comp together. I just think naturally they'll just flow from set to set. There might be a set where Maloney goes in, dominates a set, pushes a set around. He's on the ball. Pierce kicks." And then it'll be vice versa. Pierce will be on the ball, push the side around, and Maloney will kick. Yeah, uh, I think it's actually going to take some pressure off James Maloney. The fact that Mitchell Pierce is there, I think, um, you know, he's always had to sort of mentor and um, not hold Nathan Cleary's hand through games, but he has to be mindful of the impact that he's having on Cleary. Whereas mm. with Pierce, I don't think he needs to worry about. No, he that. He's got a leader. He's got a guy that's. You've got you know, to do one five or six men in the match awards in a row in yeah, NRL Gone to a club that's on the rebuild and <laughs> yeah. he's trying to drag them out of that hole. Also had the experience of playing at the Roosters. Yeah. He's, he's been burned in origin before. He's played in big crowds. He's, he's yeah. won grand finals. Like This this isn't going to be a blip on Mitchell Pearce's no. radar. And I also think Pearce's got a point to prove. Yeah, Pe- People who are dangerous in sport are people who have a point yeah. to prove. And he's got a massive fucking yeah, point to he's prove. He's got a chance to knock this out of the park. Yeah. And again, I honestly don't think again that it, people keep carrying on. Ah, oh, he needs to be man of the match, the best. But he doesn't. doesn't. He really doesn't. This is the best Origin team he's been involved with. Isn't it interesting? He could be a three out of ten and we win, and he's a hero. Mm. He could be a seven out of ten and we lose, and he's a bum. He's a bum. That's yeah. that, and that's that's, that's Mitchell Pearce's Origin career. This, so. yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, I don't think we've really missed anything. You? No. I think we've pretty much covered all things, but it's time for the predictions as we get to. So I'll go first. For me, uh, I'm going to go New South Wales by 10. Uh, as far as a try scorer, uh, you know, it's usually centre. First try scorer? It's, yeah, first try scorer is usually centre's wingers. On a wet track, I'm going to bat the back row. Yeah. I reckon Frizzell and Pierce combine and get it Norman if we get a nice quick play of the ball at some stage down there. So Frizzell is my first try scorer. The man of the match, I said it before, I think this is Cook's game. On that heavier deck, that if we do the job and get some quick play of the balls, a guy like that with quick little nimble feet around the ruck, I think this is his his place to absolutely just terrorise. Uh, I'm going to go Blues by 12. First try score of the Fox, and I will go uh, James Tedesco to be man of the match. Teddy loves ANZ Stadium. Yep, and he's another one of those guys with that short shuffling feet who operates well regardless of the deck. I think he'll be man of the series as well. I think he... He has a good game. Um, oh, it's, it's and his for the win He's the been the best. The only one who could take it from him is if Jake has an absolute blinder because they gave it to him in the last game. Right, if Queensland win, who wins men of the series? Munster? Oh, I think Gagai was their best in game one. In the last game, I don't think anyone played well. So at the moment, I think the favouritism would be leaning towards Dane Gagai if he had a huge game, which would be the second time that he's won it from the wing. Mm. If Munster has a huge game... With the way this system works, and I know they refine it this year, I'm pretty sure he'd still be able to chalk up enough points mm. to find himself, you know, a way to win that award. But I think if you're going off, you know, the series so far, it'd be interesting, won't it, if Queensland win? Mm. Not that I'll give a shit; I'll be filthy. I'll be dirty as well. But <clears throat> we get the odds now for the game. Brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate, New South Wales. As we said before, heavy favourites now: a dollar thirty-eight, three hundred five for Queensland. 
Minus six and a half is the line. One to 12 New South Wales, $254 for Queensland. 13 plus New <coughs> South Wales, 275 and $9 for Queensland. Those man of the match markets like we talked about. Surprise, surprise. Cook, Tedesco, we've both got their equal favourites along with James Marnie. They're all 650 Queensland, we've said Munster's the man. The bookies agree. Heaviest, heaviest and shortest favourite. The next man after Munster, who's $8, is Daly Cherry Evans at 15 right. So the bookies agree completely with what we're saying. It's mm-hmm. all Munster in this game to kick things off, to be the yeah. one to lead it forward. If you like one of the back rails on the wet deck, Frizzell, $21. You've got Boyd Corner there, 21 Jake Draboyevich, last match, got it, and his brother Tom was pretty good, 19 and $21 respectively. Um, you know, if someone had a blinder for Queen, if Dane Gagai again has an absolute cracker, $51 if he can do some damage or get some yardage work there. Corey Norman, can he be massive on debut, $21. So I think I think there's plenty around as far as value goes there for certain positions. But um, all these odds basically say what we've said before. I think the, the bookies are really, really big mm-hmm. on New South Wales. We'll have a quick look at the Pro Sports Syndicate, the first try scorers. You're on the Fox, he's $9, box head. Uh, and for myself... If we keep going, Tyson Frizzell, 31 bucks for a back row I'll try. Yeah. We were a special man, you, for Origins and Grand Finals, having $5 on certain back rows or two of the back rows or ones we thought. And if you get pull one off for a five-bucker, you win it. You almost if you're going to back the back rowers, back all of them. Yeah. Have five bucks on the on the four of them. That would so, be my uh that would be my We've done that in a few advice. grand finals or games and it's paid off. Ryan Hoffman of of the two grand twice. finals, Ryan Hoffman come up tramps for us big time. Mm. Uh he served us quite well at Hoffy, didn't he? Yeah. Good times. But yeah, there's some odds there to score a try in the game in general if you like some players and just want some better odds for that one. I think Tedesco's pretty good value at two dollars forty, being over the two dollar mark there. Tommy Turbo last game, two dollars thirty. The Fox is the shortest favourite, obviously at a dollar ninety. Again, if you like one of those back rows and just want to get him to score a try and you're not worried about the result. You can get five for Frizz, uh, $4.50 for Boyd Cordner. Uh, what else we got here as far as odds? I think that'll do. But I know I was looking at some 1 to 12 try try combos. So New South Wales 1 to 12 and someone just to score. And you can boost your odds up quite a fair bit there. Obviously, messing with margin markets can be quite dangerous, but I like to live dangerous. I, I like us 1 to 12. So I took one to twelve, and I was looking at that spot that I said before for Zell or Pierce to get a try, either inside or outside Corey Norman. So mm. have a look at the odds for that one if you're interested. But those odds brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. Uh, the best bet last week, unfortunately, went down uh, only by a try. But when you go back now and look at the game, obviously Tiger's not happy after the game now that Graham Manners has admitted the one of their tries should have been called back when the foot went out with the grenade try, wasn't it? Mm. They were pretty gallant in that game, but uh, unfortunately didn't go down. But the week before, three out of four from their lines, profit return on the season, uh, almost 18 points of profit, which is outstanding. So as we've said before, if you bet $10, that would be a $180 return. If you bet $100 units, it's $1,800. So they're doing quite well on that side of things. Keep your eyes open for the package. Still plenty of games left in the season. If they don't turn a profit for the season, you get next year for free. Look no further than the Pro Sports Syndicate. Uh, reviewing the games from the weekend, Boxhead. I don't think there's need a whole lot of explanation, especially because I was so heavily affected. But the first game of the round, Dragon Storm, 16-14. Plenty of people not happy with the penalty goal at the end of the game. But uh, Melbourne get home in this one. I don't really know what you can take from it again. Uh, as far as Melbourne missing six players and on the, the Dragon side, I think five to Origin plus Lomax. Widop obviously out for the year to Bell and Graham. So they're missing a fair share as well. But... 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I thought it was hard fought considering the conditions. It was an arm wrestle. It was pretty ugly. You can definitely see the changes in the sides given uh, you know, the, the effect of injuries and all that. But at the end of the day, uh, whether it lacked any continuity or a bit of flow, it was ugly. And Melbourne, it was bit of a bargain for the Dragons, again, like with all the players missing it in, co- in context, you, you can't really be surprised. We're not lost, but I think the loss hurts because they were close enough to get it. Mm-hmm. And given their spot on the ladder, Melbourne didn't really need that win. That was almost a bonus win without their players where they've got themselves now three clear at the top. For the Dragons, that could have put them in that nice little log jam of seven win teams. They're still close enough with six, but it just... To be that close at the end there, and then you could see that penalty in the goal, I think that would have been heartbroken. Yeah. Yeah, agree. It was an interesting game, ugly game. Uh, Melbourne were clearly, I guess, missing some experience in the halves. Cameron Smith being there, I think it was vital. Yep. Uh, St. George is just another one that they were close enough, if good enough, and just couldn't, couldn't ice. Uh, I struggled, I struggled a little bit with this game because it seemed like everyone just thought Melbourne Melbourne just went. Mm. Uh, and then I looked at it and thought, well, Melbourne, I'm not overly convinced on Brodie Croft. They were missing Munster. Um, it was down in Wollongong, the weather. So I think all of those played a part. It was just ugly. Melbourne were just tough. Tough is the way I'd, I'd describe it. I think they were... They made some uncharacteristic errors, Melbourne. Um they were a little bit clunky, but that was to be, be expected with young Walters coming in. Croft isn't isn't really dominant. Um, were Melbourne's forwards good enough to really allow Smith to have a massive impact on this game? Probably not. Uh, so, look, I, I thought, yeah, I thought it was thought it was a tough game for both sides. Both both sides heavily impacted by state of origin. Uh, the conditions played a part, but I think St George Illawarra take a lot out of this game. Uh, in the fact that they can compete, and uh, it was a gritty game. I know they lost; it would have felt a lot more, a lot better, and they probably would have got a lot more out of it on the back of a win. But I think that could be a result that they can sort of hang their hat on and go, "Well, you know, I know we're not in the eight, but we competed with a side that's right up the top of the competition." Uh, Origin players aside, it's 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 interesting moving forward. St George are the side that I look at and go. Like they could easily be in the top four, but they sit outside the eight. They've lost a lot of games. They probably Close. should have won. Yeah, they've lost Widop. Uh, what's, they've what's, had Norman out for a significant period of time. What's critical now? You look at, well, you look at them. You compare them to say a Parramatta or a West Tigers, who are just on the on the borderline of the eight. If you said to me who's a better side out of those three, I can make an argument for all three. I think they're pretty much I on think par. The difference out of all those sides are, I think, consistent consistency-wise. Like the Tigers have had a few big losses, but I think they've been more consistent in efforts. Yeah. I think Parramatta's been one extreme to the other, and then you've had the Dragons, who've been close in a lot of games, but not close enough, and obviously mm. had some disruption. But end of the day for them, this week is critical. They get the longest turnaround of anyone. They're the last game on Sunday against the Raiders. 
That's a tough game, but they need to win. Yeah, They have to win, plain and simple. Um, but I thought McInnes was great for them. Blake Laurie, he missed a couple of tackles, but he had a big game, really ripped him with those forwards missing in origin, obviously Sim suspended. Dufty, and there was a few other guys that were all right. For Melbourne, it was pretty obvious. Cameron Smith was the shining light for me. And I thought Bromwich had a big impact on the game. Him and Nelson late setting that try up for Hughes were good, and Brandon Smith off the bench, but it's hard to take much out of it with so many players missing. Yep. Just other than what I said before, that loss would have really helped the Dragons. For Melbourne, it was just a bonus. Uh, I think that almost guarantees now that Melbourne's going to be playing week one in Melbourne, whether they're first or second, depending if the Roosters or the South Sydney Rabbitohs coming after them, depending if they want to rest players. But all the cards are in Melbourne's hand now. Yeah, There's eight or nine rounds left. They're three clear. They're easily going to win another four or five games. They're basically going to be able to decide their own path here with that gap they've built up. Uh, Tigers, Roosters... 24-16. Uh, the Tigers came hard. I thought they were great. Uh, I absolutely love the fact they were willing to shift in yardage. They isolated players because the Roosters were compressed up there and they were getting out into spaces there and picking on the halves or centres. And While they weren't effective tackles, that gave them those quick play of the balls to just play straight off the back off. They were shifting off it straight away. I thought Benji Marshall had another very good game. He's been outstanding this year. and I think Brooks, why unsung uh, a little bit this year as compared to last year. I think he's had a pretty good year again, but... I guess the difference here is just when you're playing a good side, they, they know how to answer. Anytime it looked like the Tigers threw a few good jabs and were kicking away, the Roosters reeled them back in. Yeah, I went to this game. I thought the Tigers were the better side for probably 60 minutes. There was a period during the second half where the Roosters went uh, try. Uh, Tigers came down, kicked off, shit kick off. Uh, Kiri kicked the 40-20. The Roosters scored. Um, and I think before that, Benji Marshall and the West Tigers on the right edge tried an inside-outside play. They were completing up, up somewhere near 95% at that point in time. So they went error, conceded two tries. They went for in a period of six or seven minutes from leading by four to trailing by eight. And it was just a huge kick in the nuts. Mm. Uh, there were a few things. Benji Marshall rushed up on Latrell Mitchell, uh, which led to the Victor Radley try where um, Latrell yeah. got the offload, went Back through. Back inside to And, you know, that was just a poor defensive decision. I know Isan Masters, he pulled a cop a little bit of flack for not following Benji in, but it was just a decision that didn't need yeah, to be made. Um, <clears throat> look, I thought there were two calls here for the, the West Tigers got absolute dog shit calls. Well, there's a six-again call. There's a six-again call where Radley rushes up and turns his back. Like, it's a charge down every day of the week. That cost him a try. It was it was a difference. If you're, going to, if you're going to kick pressure, expect it to be six again. It doesn't matter where the ball hits you. If you're kick pressuring and you're yeah, going up, and you're again. putting yourself in a position to get in front of the ball. Yeah. It's six again. That was a horrendous yeah. call. If I, horrendous call. If I kick it into you and you're standing ten meters away and turn around, and it happened again in the different. second half, yeah, uh, late in the game. But I, I don't think that one impacted the game as much as that first one did yeah, because that cost them a try. Later on, they found that Manu or someone put their foot out in the lead up to that play. And there, there you go. There's just a few that went. Against the West Tigers, uh, Trent Robinson in the in the post game summed it up well. He said that they were they were excellent. They were excellent. They they were were. excellent. I'm not sure how much more uh, Madge McGuire can squeeze out of that sponge because they were it's fantastic. I think Benji Marshall was excellent, apart from a few little lapses. Like there was a seven tackle set, I think. Um, Look, Brooks, for me, probably isn't doing enough. Like, he's not running the ball enough. He's not on the ball enough. And, and maybe that is because Benji's been more dominant this year than what he was last year. I don't know. Uh, I think they they cocked up a little bit when they didn't get little on when they were dominating. It, that start of the first half where 
the Tigers went bang, bang, and they had the momentum and they were up. And yeah, it, they had the spark plug. I wanted to see Little go on the field then. What happened was they kept Farrah there and then they put Little on when they just got bang, bang. The two tries, they were down by eight and they put Little on. Yeah. I thought it would have been a better idea. And, and look, I think they got caught a little bit, the West Tigers, late in the first half because they had to make a few ch- uh, changes that they probably wouldn't ordinarily have had to make. Eisenhuth came from the field, I think, and so did Alex Twal, who they would have liked to have seen get through to half time. So that threw their interchange plan out a little bit and meant that they couldn't get little on the field when they ideally would have liked to, you know, say six or seven minutes before half time. So uh, they all had a small impact on the game, but uh, it, was a, it was a match I thoroughly enjoyed. Really, really it was enjoyed good. watching it live. It was quite a game, considering um, the week before we watched a dog fight there and it looked, was terrible. Bakewest Stadium's fantastic. Um, I ate two pies while I was there and a, and a bottle of Coke. Cost me twelve dollars or something like that. Good times, outstanding. Uh, Friday night footy, love it. <clears throat> I think Luttrell started slow, but he warmed in the game. Obviously, had a few big moments uh, involvement. I think Luke Keary first game back after six weeks, he was, he was absolutely outstanding. <clears throat> but I think again, we talk about set starts on the night between Ryan Hall and Tupa. Ryan Hall, they had two hundred metres or well, two hundred metres apiece. Cool. They were both ridiculously busy, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again: this tough period where Origin. Injuries has affected them. The best part is they've got quality football into young guys and built depth. Tilly Tupanu has just been locked in. He's been great from Nat Butcher. I'm a huge fan of. I thought he was good again the other night. <laughs> they got you know Fumasuli off the bench there. They got Verrills. They've built up some depth, and in a couple of weeks or come next week, yeah, Friend will be back. We see Morris come back this week. Ryan Hall starting to play good footy. I think that there's going to be some guys that are going to be very hard done by yeah. going back to play New South Wales Cup. But Absolutely. They've put themselves in a great position, the Roosters, to make a run home. And the other point I made a couple of weeks ago, for all this injury, origin, <coughs> rough period for the Rabbitohs and the Roosters, no one's capitalising caught up. So mm. they still sit second and third just behind Melbourne. I know they're only one clear of a couple of teams, but the Raiders dropped the ball a few times, as have the Sharks and some teams under with some results that they've snatched. Mm to, I think, leave these two in a position to kick off. And South, I think, this week are looking at getting back Sam, possibly Johnston, and a couple of players of their own. They had Sewer come down from Brisbane, so uh, it's, it's, it's go time now. And I think those three are still going to be the top three sides, regardless of the rough trot, in particular that South and the Roosters have had mm-hmm. with injuries and origin. But, yeah, those guys were great. For the Tigers, couldn't get much more, like you said. Benji was good. Madison's been great all year. LOA just re-signed during the week. Thought he would be a hot property. They're smart to lock him down. And Corey Thompson's been much better at fullback than what Moses and Byron was. I think that's changed their whole dynamic of their side. So yep. tough one for the Tigers to take, but we'll see how they go moving forward. Warriors against the Knights. Uh, you know, it's hard to have sympathy for the Warriors, but far out some things went against them in this game. They've blown some results this year. They won. Yeah, there's some things. They've blown some results this year. They had a team missing their three best players, and, and it, plus a couple more. It was there on a platter for them. So that's what I mean. It's Realistically, they should have gone to Newcastle, not really so much put a score on them, but they, they should have won quite comfortably mm-hmm. if they're being serious with the players they've got on their side. But it turned into an absolute shit fight. There was some bad calls, yes, in particular. Kenny Marmolo's hat-trick, they freeze frame it, and they've got a frame there where he definitely scored the try. I thought the sin bin on full-time was ridiculous. The clock had ran out. It was almost like doing it on purpose because they lay on the ruck. Were they taking the piss a bit? Yeah. Not stopping the play after what happened earlier in the year with the, hit, the incident in North Queensland. I know it wasn't as critical, but Hiku hit the deck. 
Like, and they're saying the train has to run on the field again. Like that's I thought we were past Stupid. that. I thought we were past that from what happened Stupid. in North Queensland. Yeah. The trainer doesn't have to run on the field. Clearly fucking knocked out. So they scored there with twelve, <laughs> not taking anything away. Mind from you, they Newcastle. didn't. Yeah, they didn't defend that very well. And this is what I'm getting at. I, I I struggle to find sympathy for the Warriors, but they did cop some shit calls in that game. Mm. But in the end, uh, the footy gods kind of intervened and none none more so highlighting footy gods and a bit of karma to sort things out when a fat front row. Picks up an error from a fullback and scores the match winner. So they ended up holding on. But I was very frustrated with the Warriors. I thought their attack, in particular inside 20, was disgusting. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, Blake Green this year, he's kind of gone backwards. Nick Arima's had some moments, but he plays two sideways. He drifts across like a touch player. He runs players under space. People are constantly having to come back under. Second half, they looked better when they started sweeping to the left and just playing square with Roger, and Green was given early ball. That got outside defenders holding and interested, and Hiku's got one of the best catch passes for a centre you're going to see. He got mm-hmm. Marmolo clean twice. Hiku himself hit space. Uh, they, they just took advantage of that kind of situation, but wasn't an easy night for the Warriors either. They lost a couple of players. Um, Lock and Fitzgibbon did very well to play on for Newcastle with his elbows now out for five weeks, but I think they lost Lawton early on. Jastafunga went off, so they, they almost had no one left on the bench, but despite those calls, they won. I think the thing for the Warriors is all those close losses have added up yeah. and they find themselves at the bottom of that log jam again but at the same time they're not someone I'm really looking at as a threat for Newcastle if I'm a Newcastle fan I'm stoked with that effort mm-hmm. they were excellent Sianni Mataria he had a very good game uh, I think you know just a general team effort I think there was anyone that was ridiculously a standout but they, they ripped in they defended well there was opportunities that they capitalised on uh, they showed plenty of heart and energy and when they spoke to Connor Watson after the game, he was heartbroken, and rightfully so. Unfortunately, he was the man who knocked that ball into Lasano's yeah. grip. But, man, like if you're a Newcastle fan, you've got to be happy. We spoke a couple of weeks ago that they've certainly found their nuts, their fancy attitude, they're a real gritty side. That was personified with not having Pierce, Ponga, Clamour, etc. in that game. Yeah. Fitzgibbon played on. I, like, I'd be stoked if I was a Newcastle fan. Dirty on the result, so close, but, man, they've got heart. And I think, oh, absolutely, mate. The, the way they defended uh, for for long periods in that game, um, oh, I thought they were they were outstanding. Oh, oh, the Warriors deserve to win, and they cop some shit calls. But I expected the Warriors probably to win this game by at least two tries. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that Newcastle dragged it down and still had multiple chances at the end of that game to win it is a credit to them. They're defending as well as any team in the competition at the moment. And if they can build on that and progressively get that better as they get their um, stars back from origin and hopefully they can remain fairly fit, they've got a huge home ground advantage. They've already knocked off uh, the Sydney Roosters, the defending premiers. They've got a lot going for them, Newcastle. Um, And the fact that they started the year so poorly and they copped a little bit of shit, they're hardened. I I think they're a team that... You know, knows what it's like to lose, and they've had their little slump early in the year. Uh, and I can only see good things ahead for for the Knights. Yeah, <laughs> it's big, all positive. Big blow, obviously, losing Lachlan Fitzgibbon for that. But in saying that, if they really want to make a shake come finals time, they've got to land in that top four. They've also got to be healthy. So yeah, you know, Ponga, they need to get him back. Losing Fitzgibbon's big. He's <clears> a real <throat> strike weapon on that edge for him. So they've got Guerra, Mitsuhide, you can play there. They're probably going to be tested a little bit for depth in that area. Uh, some good news for them this week. Apparently, Jaden Braley from the Sharks will be going there next year for three years so yeah. I like that signing I, I've started to like what I've been seeing from Danny Levi obviously and I really liked Connor Watson playing there but I guess for them they're looking for more stability yeah. in that area and they're going to get that out of Jaden Braley so um, they're clearly looking in that direction the last game 
Broncos 24-22 over the Sharks. Three debutants, one club debutant uh, with Kennedy going up there. Guys missing origin. Milford out injured. They lost us Sullivan early. Shibasaki. They were just tough, full of energy. And I go back to what I've said a million times before. And it's, it wasn't a shot at you or anyone like saying they'll win the comp. I never thought they were going to win the comp. I definitely think they should be in the eight. But anyone that's questioning this rebuild and all the journos beating up, going, oh, they let quality players go like Kahu and Nicker. Like, fuck off. Nickarima, he's a good footballer. But $600,000 to play halves? No. Nah. Jordan Kahu, yeah, he played for New Zealand. But center, winger, fullback, injury prone. Like, I'm not paying him four or 500000 mm. James Roberts' attitude, like, he doesn't want to beat Brisbane. Like, I want people to buy into my club. There's a clean-out happening for a reason. What is happening at Brisbane needs to happen. Josh Maguire, again, he's probably the only one I think they're kind of missing from an attitude point of view or to lead your forward, pack forward. But, again, yeah. 31, 30 years old. Not really super impactful, and the price tag of him secures you Payne Haas, Lodge, Pangai Jr. I'm taking three over one. Any Brisbane fan out there, anyone blowing up, anyone carrying on, just buy into what they're doing. Yeah. Seabold's a good coach. You saw Xavier Coates, he had a cracker game. He's 18 years old. Herbie Farnsworth, Keenan Palacio come in there as well. They've still got Corey Pay. You've seen Carrigan, Haas, Lodge, Flegler, uh, Shibasaki, Staggs. They're there's plenty to like moving forward. What is happening has to happen. Mm. Bite your bottom lip. Deal with it for the time being. Do they get into the bottom half of the eight? I don't know if it's going to happen this year. I really don't. But what they're doing right now is necessary for a long-term success period. And that is a hell of a group. Yeah, It's going to take some work and they're putting it in right now. And they're going to jag a couple of results like that. But it is all going to be worth it if I'm a Brisbane fan in the end. Mm. And if I tell you, like I said, last year... Like, look at this realistically. For all the <coughs> bullshit in the media, again, no one's addressed it. You didn't win the comp last year with those players. You weren't going to win the comp with those players this year. Do you want these kids and you want a future? Or do you want a dead wood and you want other people to come in and pick the eyes out of it and take your Fleglers, your Pangai Juniors, your Haases, your Lodges? I'm pretty sure you'd be happy to suffer short-term to build up what you've got now yeah. rather than have Kahu, Nikarima and still be asking in two <clears> years' time, what the fuck are we doing yeah, look, with our spine and the players we've got? I've been the biggest Brisbane lover um, on this podcast, and I tip them to win the comp. But this is as much about Brisbane as it is about Cronulla. Oh, Cronulla. Because Cronulla, that's the third week in a row. They're the first team to ever... History. Score more tries yeah. than their opponents, but goal kicking Still lose. has killed them. So I thought it was an, a fantastic performance from the Broncos. It but was. it said just as much about the Cronulla and their incompetence in their goal kicking uh, and the fact that they look a little bit like they've got three halves and two spots. And I know Flanagan's going to the Roosters next year or well it's mooted that he's going to the Roosters I don't even think that's official it was announced or mooted yeah, last it's week more, it's more background but I think it's pretty much anyway, well known that that's happening I I believe they're a better side with him playing what, what was my rant the other week about Sean Johnson and people can complain I don't care what I don't, I thought, I, it's not about Johnson for me it's not even about Sean Johnson well, I think it it's about because it's well, costing it's them Flanagan it's not it's about for right now for this year the fact of the matter is, is that they look better when they've got... Um, well, that's John Morris's decision to make then. And he's got a tough decision to make. And Cole Flanagan playing. I thought they Flanagan looked, they looked, they they looked fantastic the week before they played the Raiders. Came and they were down 20 nil, by 20 in that game. Came back, almost won. Goal kicking cost them. Sean Johnson was kick goal kicking that night, I'm pretty Forget sure. Forget just that. Defensively and, they, and in attack. They just and... didn't look as good. I, I don't know why you change a winning formula. I know Johnson was out injured and he's on however much money he's on, but 
if if two players have performed very well the week before and they've won. I don't care who it is. They have to earn their spot back in the side. That's well, that's me. We, we know that, yeah, but that's us. Do we know how NRL clubs work? They play off price tags. Like the, the but that's m- probably part of the reason why Thunigan's then fucked off to the roost. You, you hear the same murmurs right now about apparently Seabold's wanted to drop Darius Boyd, but the club's saying he can't. This is what happens with price tags. They mm. try to justify people that they're paying big money. And why is he that's leaving? Different. That's different. The Seabold one and Flanagan's Boyd is leaving. different. Boyd's Flanagan's... an origin player. Boyd's been at yeah, the club for forever. Player. Yeah, but Boyd... Is the club captain? Like, there's a whole a whole heap of different handcuffs there that come into play. Well, if I'm the that coach, don't come I into play with Sean Johnson. Like no, I agree with you. Well, there is handcuffs to Sean Johnson because they mooted him as the big star but, replacement. Yeah, but they, they paid should, him a million dollars. There shouldn't be. And for John Morris, like, did like John Morris was John Morris there when they signed him? No, Flanagan got go. him as soon as Holmes went. I said to you at the time, and I said it the other week. I thought the one thing of all the things that Flanagan could have done, they rushed it, rushed to spend. They rushed money. to buy a guy that they didn't need because. I thought he would have had enough confidence in his own young bloke, along with Townsend, and have him more than there to move back to fullback, because we all know he's not a 5'8", yeah. to think this is the way forward. Not only did they blow... I don't think, I don't think it's Cross's point for Cronulla. It's not Cross's point, but it's... I don't think they can win the comp, but I, I, he hooked I really, him on really the weekend. think that they're a solid top eight side. They're going to come good. They hooked him on the weekend, though. They're, they're at a critical point here. And yeah, everyone was saying this him? week... I think, you just wanted, I, I think it was as I much about was getting... Shit. Yeah, it was much about getting Flanagan on the field than it was getting Johnson off. You forced him on though just to get a goal kicker. That's how sad. No, are. I don't think he did. I, I think, I, I, think, I, think he, I think he sort of made that up on the run in the press conference. I, I just think Morris made a call in that game. He got to a point in that game in the coach's box where he thought Cole Flanagan's going to help us win this game more than Sean Johnson is. Well, unfortunately, he didn't. He came up with a couple of errors late or some poor I know passes. That. But I, I know just that. think. But, Full stop, forget all and, that. And on top of Johnson that, was a bad decision kicker. to me. Johnson was a bad decision. Mm. You had your halfback, and to me, they fucked it up. Well, I guess the proof's in the pudding for Johnson because he's been paid to... He's been paid forever. He's, and he's, he what I'm saying is he's been paid by Cronulla to make them premiership contenders. And if it comes to the end of the year and they're not, and he doesn't have an impact on big games and doesn't deliver, he's going to come under enormous scrutiny. He never made the Warriors a premiership contender, which is why my blow up at the start and people disagree. You disagree with me too that the Warriors should have paid him. I wouldn't have fucking paid him. He's asking for a million dollars. Yeah, but who would you rather, Nick Arima or Johnson? Fucking, I'd rather suffer with Nick Arima. I'd rather neither. I didn't tell them to sign Nick Arima. I would have waited. No, I understand that. But my point is, my, my I'm not being handcuffed that, um, to a guy that has proven me nothing in almost a decade mm. who's telling me 12 months out, you will give me but the issue a million is, dollars you know, your because I'm was, Sean Johnson. Your argument at the time was that you know, not I, worth I, a wouldn't, I wouldn't pay him, but you, who are you going to spend your money on? You're not spending yeah, your money on I don't on have anyone. to pay you yet. That's the whole point. They didn't have to pay him. He was telling, I want now or I'm going to go. And they're like, well, if that's the case, like, we want go. you, we yeah, want you to play. Earn your contract. I don't mind that. That's okay. I have a problem with it because he's just, got a bad attitude. I've got a problem with case. it from a Warriors perspective because I don't think they're as good of a side without him. Yeah, I'm not being held ransom by some fuckwit who walks in 12 yeah, months beforehand and tells me I'm worth a million like dollars. And stop watching the game because every every player that comes off contract, they all do it. But you want a million dollars and you're and telling a lot me. Of them, a lot of them do it when they're not playing well. It's up to the club. I thought they and made I, the right I, stance. Well, it, yeah, but the club's also at a, in a, at a point where they go, well, okay, so we upset him and then he leaves. And who else have we got well, what's to... bigger, the club or the player? <clears throat> yeah, but that's not. But hang on, the player dictates how big the club is. Well, how good, how good have they gone with him there? Not very far. Who? Sean Johnson. That's why they let him go. I wouldn't pay him a million dollars. They're not, not going. Worth... They're not going any better. Well, I don't think he fixes anything they're doing. For me, you right need now. to have someone of at least the equal ability or better to bring in. Not to be handcuffed to a guy that I wouldn't pay. A but they're, not, they're already handcuffed to him. He was already there. 
So for the rest I, of the year. I don't know. They brought in Nick Arama and paid him big bucks, and he's he's no he's worse than Johnson in my opinion. Well, like but I anyway, said, we're taking Nick. We're going around in circles, but it just wouldn't have made the move. Yeah, well, and then you, but, but then you go back to my argument. You don't you, then you don't have a player. And you shit, and you're on the bottom of the table like they are. Well, so I just would have kept developing Tavita Harris like they were, and gone through the suffering a little bit this year, and then gone to market. But they were that impatient. But that gone they to market rushed. to get who? Well, you don't even necessarily. Well, do you have faith in Tavita Harris or not? You're going to give him I time to seen, grow. I haven't seen a big enough sample size of him. But again, and I'm not over there watching. You're, you're going to force me to spend four years, a million dollars a season on something that's failed me for a decade and got me nothing since 2010. No, I'm not. I, I don't, or I'm not arguing that. 2011. Point. Or, I'm arguing that. I, I get just, that. I just don't understand. But I'm not just I, doing I, I it never, because I'll there's never nothing better available right now. I'll never understand allowing someone to walk out the door when you don't have someone just as good to walk in the door. Because he's, he's telling you he wants the contract now or he's going to go. I'm not How much did he him. want? He wanted a million bucks. Yeah. He wanted four more years. I'm to not be fair, to if, if Ash Taylor's on a million, Johnson should be on a million. Yeah, well, how's that working out for the Titans? <laughs> well, that's, yeah. And you want to get rid of him right now, don't you? I would. Yeah, but but more because I know that we've got halves there that are just as good or could and do a Johnson, better job. Just quietly, like the said, Warriors don't have that. He, he's got a track record, and they've now then had to go and panic buy and bought Nikarima, who's just as bad. So still, that's their anyway. fault. But I'm just saying, full stop. Forget all that. Johnson comes into you tomorrow. He's not worth a million bucks in my eyes. He's proven nothing almost in a decade. Well, I think the, the reason time. the Titans uh, he's under so much pressure. At the Titans is because you've got Roberts there who's playing twice as well as yeah, um, Taylor. You've got Brimson there who really can't find a spot who should be playing six. Uh, you've got Riley Jacks there who I think also could play just as well as what Ash Taylor's putting out there at the moment. So they've got those options there. So naturally there's competition for spots, whereas at the Warriors there's, there's no one there. Well, Blake play, Green, how long? How much longer is Blake Green going to play? play still for? got another year to go. But he's, he's slowing down a little bit. He's, and then, okay, so he walks out the door. You're left with Nick Arima and... Yeah, but again, be patient and don't push all your chips in. They've clearly pushed in with Nicarama. It's not nowhere near as much as what Johnson wanted, but I wasn't paying Johnson either. Take the Nicarama everything out of it. The simple fact of it was... Yeah, and then you got no one. I That's my point. Someone's not walking into me and telling me. But then if you're years, a coach or you're an administrator, you don't have a job. Well, if that's Ken, the case. Kearney was part of that decision. I don't blame him. Well, and he won't have a job. He won't He's have just a job. just re that will cost so clearly they've got job. faith in yeah, him. Yeah, the Warriors and the plan coaches. should have been, and again, whether you agree or not, but the plan should have been move forward with Tavita Harris, develop him for this year, and see what you've got. And then, if not, you'd go to market and try and find something. To be fair, they just said to Sean Johnson, "We'll talk to you about your contract at the end of the year." They tried that. That's my whole point. He doesn't want to do that. He wanted a contract. He's like, "No, or I'll go." That's bad luck. Well, you can't just go. He's under well, contract. He did just go. They said, "Well, good." He you... didn't. They released him. Yeah, because he was being a peanut. You're going to hold him around and let him be a cancer. I don't think he, I don't think he was being a peanut. Anyway, well, if you want a cancer in your club for the whole year, go feel free. But we've just spent all this time not even giving. Well, can, well Brisbane a wrap. Cancer's better than no cancer. Because we've been arguing about short. No, cancer out, disappear. Yeah, and good. Now, they've got Nick Arima there. Now the Sharks got him, and he got hooked on the weekend, and he was filthy and staring at the coach's box. So have fun with that, John Morris. Well, how long is he on contract for at Cronulla? Oh, fuck, whatever Flanagan signed him for, three or four years on big money, oh, like 800000 still. Oh, dear. So, and again, on the weekend in critical moments, I think he's an outstanding player, but at crunch time... I'll take him at the Titans. Deliver. Uh, we'll swap you. He ran you him, like, What kills me is the play fives where he drifts across, shows it, shows it, gets backed in or gets caught in the corner. But and wonders why. Everyone knows what Sean Johnson is. Exactly. He is what he is. He's that flamboyant player. He's not going to be well, that guy. Flamboyant, you ran him into a corner um, near the side. Get all that. But time. everyone wants to blow him when he's doing all the good things, and then when he's well, not not, not the player. Time. I'm not blowing him. Uh, I'm just saying. Uh, uh, 
I don't know. Like Sean Johnson to me is what is what he is. One final series. You buy him knowing what he is until yeah. Well, so Flanagan fucked up. Now he's not even there. Yeah, I, I agree. And his own sons now. But my argument, going back to my original argument, it is that they've got three halves and they've got two slots. Yeah. And for me, I believe that at the moment it's Townsend and Flanagan that should be filled. The decision's already been made for you because the salary cap dictates it. You've signed a guy on big money, and you're not in a position with all the That's other fine. young guys to now have Flanagan. So he's going to be gone. He's going to be gone at the end of this year. So you can either so alienate. I'll worry, about, I'll worry about my problem at the end of the year. Well, you're going to alienate a guy that just got paid a stack under a different coach and cause yourself more headaches moving forward. But, but see, I don't, I don't buy that. It's just bad luck, mate. This is a team sport. You're not playing up to the standard. Well, These two we, are playing we know better. for a fact that some blokes don't care about the team. They're yeah, worried well, about them. So We can boot off somewhere else. And the cycle Good continues. Luck. The problem just moves on. Anyway. That's the same argument that's made for the Warriors you didn't agree with. <laughs> that you move him on. No, that's not the same argument. Because you've got two competent well, it players it's there. It's a bad attitude. He's asking for no, money. No, you've got two competent players not there. You're not, you're not... You're not understanding what I'm saying. You're not because from. you're going to punt. The Warriors are going to punt these halves, and they've got no one there. Cronulla have players there, so it's easy to put him on the bench because you've got players there to fill that spot. Simple as that. I've still got your argument. Move I don't on. agree with you. Yeah. So. Brisbane though, we didn't even give Brisbane any credit because we were just giving Sean Johnson ten minutes of fucking airtime. But for Brisbane, uh, outstanding. Like I said, they just need to keep following this path. They lost O'Sullivan, Milford not being there. I thought uh, Turpin. Unfamiliar position for him. Obviously, playing more as a nine, I think he did a solid job. But the big thing for them, their two front rows are outstanding. Matt Lodge and Payne Haas were huge. Pangai Jr. on the edge come up with a couple of big plays as well. All the debutants did their job. They just dug in, plain and simple. Baby Broncos got the job done. For the Sharks, I think probably the worst part is just playing in patches and some of their defensive decisions and the tries they could set. Defensively, they were awful. Uh, to get the hat trick from Morris in quick succession and just think, oh, yeah, we're just going to basically pissed this in and it backfired on They conceded a couple of tries late. They couldn't find that moment. Johnson obviously struggled, ran himself out of room a couple of times, made some errors. They put Flanagan on, him under pressure. He threw a bad pass or two and they ended up losing that game. But the goal-kicking thing, none from four until they brought Flanagan on. The week before it cost them. In Canberra, it was the same situation. I dare say that all three of them will have the kicking tee out this week. Well, they should have had the kicking tee out. Always, Every I'm sure they do, but in particular now, it's just cost them three games. And if I'm a Sharks fan, and I'll, I'll probably end up eating my words if things keep going the way they are, that I thought they were shooting for the top eight, but they've just absolutely blown this origin period. The origin period was there for their taking. They only had Morris out the first game, and they got Wade back. Wade's gone out, Morris has come back. They've got this great young group. They've got Johnson, Moylan, Woods, all these guys back at one time, and they've just bottled a couple of results. They should be on nine or ten wins and right near the top end. Instead, they're caught in this logjam with six or seven teams. So the run home is really critical, and now they've got to play Melbourne in Melbourne this weekend, Cameron Smith's 400th game. So it's not getting any easier. No, it's not. It's not. It's a good result for Brisbane uh, moving forward. But they'll come good. Cronulla will come good. See how things pan out for them for the rest of the year, but I, I honestly, at the point Johnson. they're at, just be right. keep going with these guys, keep plugging away, keep growing the young blokes. Good things will hopefully come next year for the Brisbane Broncos if they don't find themselves sliding to the eight. But I like what Seabold's doing. I really do. I think the clean out, yeah, but again, the it's change like was necessary. Everyone's happy with what he's doing now because they won. That, this I was a game. This was a game that they could have easily lost, and then the, the, the press is negative again. So I, I'm not well, the press all in or um, hey. 
pressure's been negative the whole year yeah, regardless. That's what I'm saying. Just saying so, that they shouldn't have... Let, but they've been pretty positive and they wrapped the Irish boy and saying. everything's good now oh. that they've won. It's like, well... They, had, they let go quality players. They, things, haven't, like, things haven't changed that drastically. Just the results change for this week, so... I'm only uh, talking about the result. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about from, from a wider media perspective. you just got to be in your bonnet at the moment. You want to get offended. But it's it's talking about the media. The media notion for the majority of this year is, you know, the ex-players want to kick Seabold and they want to kick Boyd and whatever, whatever. Like, Boyd's form hasn't flipped just this week. Brisbane form haven't flipped just this week. It's flipped because the result flipped. It's not about the result. It's about the process that they're going through at Brisbane in order to get these, um, I guess, achieve on-field success. And, you know, part of that is moving the guys on that um, I guess they, they're they not seeing or aren't buying in. The biggest thing for me yesterday is at the end of the game and in the sheds after the game, Brisbane looked happy. They looked like a happy side. So the body language for me, and, you know, you look at them after some of their losses earlier in the year, you go back, you know, a month, six weeks, they're all slumping down on the ground. They've got that blank, dumbass look on their face and they don't have the answer. They don't look like they've got a lot of um, enthusiasm. Things have flipped there. I think he's weeded out the, the guys that don't want to buy in and moving forward, I think they are going to be in a good position. To me, going back to the Darius Boyd argument, you, if he digs his heels in for two years, he's a club captain, he's on contract, Like they're not really going to be able to move that problem. So I think... Seabold's got to work out a way to try and find the best position for him to take that load off him, whether it is a physical restriction that he's got at the moment or if it's just that he's a little bit tired and maybe his motivation isn't great. He said all the right things yesterday after the game when he was interviewed. I thought his game yesterday was a lot better. His enthusiasm was a lot better. It's just whether he can produce that for long periods of time over a 24-game season. The evidence this year tells me that he probably can't do that. And he's not going to be able to do that for the next two years. So is there an off, off-season conversation about, Darius, are we, you know, this is where you're at. Are we going to go to performance base? Are we going to move the captaincy? If you move the captaincy to someone else, it makes it a hell of a lot easier to drop him. can't really drop your club captain regardless of his performance. Like, it's got to be a horrendous performance to be able to justify dropping a club captain to reserve grade. So there's just some things there. There's some chess pieces that Seabold's got to move in order to alleviate that situation because firstly that's not his contract that's a Wayne Bennett contract and a lot of the contracts at the moment he's got to own part of it 100% a lot of that is Wayne Bennett and Paul White and that's the shit storm at the moment that Seabold is working his way through you know and a lot of these decisions aren't popular because all the players thought that you know Wayne was going to stay and Paul White was there and they're all moving forward and a lot of these contracts probably stemmed out of the you know the year they had a lot of success they made the grand final year after that, I think they were top four and bundled out. So the club was sort of moving in a direction where they were happy and then it hit the skids a little bit and Wayne got moved on and then now you've got guys that have got, you know, had probably four-year deals that have now got two yeah. years left so on the them. The problem is that they've got to now Darius try and Boyd's snap. was done last year when all the drama was happening late in the year. So I have no idea how this is more on Paul White than Wayne Bennett because he was basically halfway out the door. With all Whoever the it is, doesn't they matter. They still somehow into the decided that four years and 800000 was right for Darius Boyd, which is insanity. That's, yeah, but from my that. perspective, you go, well, that's not, from Seabold's perspective, that's not his decision. No, I'm not saying that's his decision. But the White fact of the matter the is, he's got to work that decision. He can't just that. fucking shell Boyd because no, you're going to lose the room. So he's got to work out a way to manage it. They've got to try. The, the, but the one, that, and I'll just, it seems so fucking dumb and simple. They look happy. 
they look, they look, and I know it's easy to say, well, they looked happy after the win. They've looked horrendous. Their body language has been horrendous. I watched them play against South and ANZ Stadium. But they, there were guys fighting on the field. Well, I think visually similar, fighting on the field. Somewhat of a comparison, but not completely the same. I think similar to Penrith, they've moved some guys on. They've brought in some fresh blood, and that changes the whole mood around the place. Your Robertses and the couple of guys they've yeah. flicked, and then getting young guys in just changes your whole dynamic. Penrith slowly gone through a transformation where early in the year didn't look like they wanted to be there. This winning streak doesn't surprise me on the back of three or four guys being pushed out, five or six young bloods getting their debuts, and they've only got, I think, seven left, they said the other day, yeah. from the start of the year's side, and it's just a whole new vibe. And then, you know, like, you, okay, you go Cody Nikarima. Well, we shouldn't have let Cody go. Well, are you watching the fucking Warriors play? Because he's not playing very well for the Warriors. Well, it was the same situation. You, we shouldn't have let James Roberts go. Are you watching James Roberts play for South Sydney? You don't want James Roberts there. Please. And the whole point again, anyway. buy into the jersey and be part of the group. Yeah. You can't be an individual. And that's why players were moved on. But uh, yeah, great win for Brisbane. Some young names there to watch moving forward. The Sharks, well, we'll have to see what happens going forward. But tough one this weekend after losing those couple of games heading to the origin period. Well, the good thing is they've got no one in origin. Really, Cronulla, and that that hasn't been the case well, just wait, in years it. gone by. Like, and Graham's he's fresh. He's only played a handful of NRL games, yeah. and he's not playing full Origin games. Well, they're going to get Melbourne with six, but <clears> I get <throat> the feeling Melbourne will want to back up. This many is a different week to play Melbourne. It's... Usually, you'd love to play Melbourne in this slot, yeah, post Origin. Yeah. But given it's the occasion at home, they, they are they should be black caviar odds this weekend, Melbourne. We'll wait and see what happens there. But we've uh, gone a bit long with those reviews, but we've touched on some other areas at the same time, so a bit of extra information there, but. That basically wraps us up, and we have to give a quick plug to the Penrith Solar Centre before we move on. Want to know what's worse than seeing your team cop the wooden spoon this season? It's getting slapped with rising power bills that put you on edge more than an origin decider. Coincidental timing. Penrith Solar Centre are Western Sydney's solar specialists who are helping local families take control over their electricity bills. Let the sun work for you, your home, and your back pocket. Contact them today on 1800 20 to discuss how you can become a real winner this season when it comes to your power bills www.penrithsolar.com.au and at the local business awards in Penrith they just won the best trades and services business so they did congrats yeah, to Jake and the lads there they've uh, got a couple of happy customers off the podcast here and we're happy customers as are our folks and it's one of those necessary things but they're an absolutely outstanding company and we wouldn't endorse a product if it wasn't half decent so if you're looking for a solar system you're in Western Sydney or anywhere around even if not the, the boys have suggested for listeners of ours who have messages who aren't even in the area for other suppliers in their areas who are, you know, up to scratch and up to standard. So don't uh, hesitate to get onto the Penrith So Big thanks also again to the Pro Sports Cynic for being on board. Keep your eyes out for the package. Their best bets, 18 profits plus on this season uh, of units of profit. The package for free. If you don't turn a profit on this season, still plenty of games left. Get on board with the boys there. And the Origin preview at the start in depth. Plenty of good stuff from there. We've covered absolutely everything. Giving our predictions for the game. Brock's got the Blues by 12. I've got them by 10. His first try score is Addo Carr. Mine's Rizal. Man of the match. Brock's on Tedesco. I'm on Cookie. And Boxhead, looking forward to the game on Wednesday night. Yeah, it'll be good. There Can't you go. wait. For everybody, we'll be back on Thursday. And we'll have a look at round 17 after Origin. Tip the games. Have a look at the lineups. Who will back up? Who won't back up? Any injuries that hopefully... Do not occur, and obviously an in-depth review of Origin Game 3 in the series and everything that pans out. But for now, enjoy your week. Go the Blues, and we'll be back on Thursday. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it?
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 